Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. And welcome to you. I want to tell you, get into the Word of God and let you know what's going to be happening here because we're going to talk a little bit about the patriarch Yaakov, Jacob, to start us here today. Jacob had something very interesting happen to him. And I'm going to tell you, I bet you nobody who's watching has ever had this happen to them. Not, not even anything distantly close to it. It was a remarkable thing that happened with Jacob. And but as a little bit of background, the patriarch Jacob was about to return to the promised land. If you remember this story, he had been away, uh, accumulating wealth, accumulating a family. Uh, but he was very stressed, uh, was uh, Jacob uh, Avinu, our father, because why? He was about to meet his brother Esau again. And you know the story of Jacob and Esau, of course, the one from whom Jacob had taken the birthright. Okay, so, so what's the blood between the two of them? Who knows? Okay, but, but he was very concerned. Jacob was concerned that Esau would attack him. And so there was this, this struggle here. Uh, and what did he do? He sent gifts out ahead of him as he was traveling back into the land of Canaan, what would be uh, Eretz Yisrael. And, and he sent gifts ahead. He sent people ahead, given Esau gifts just to kind of prepare the way, clear the path a little bit. But, but Jacob also knew of God's promises to him. He knew of the promises uh, that it was through his seed that would inherit this land. And so you've got this internal struggle going on that Jacob is fearful for his life, but yet he knows the promises that God gave to him. So there's this struggle that's going on internal because on one level, you know what God promised you, but on the other level, you're afraid the guy's gonna, gonna come, you know, hurt you really bad. And so there's that dynamic and that consternation and that stirring. And it was at this very moment when Jacob was in this state of great trauma that he encountered a divine presence. So here it is. He's probably in prayer. He's probably uh, going through it, figuring things out. He's by himself. And, uh, and, and then he encounters something that is unique, this divine presence. Let's go to Genesis in the Torah, Bereshit, chapter 32, please, starting in verse 24. It says this, so Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. What in the world? When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. 
because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, what do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. Wow, that's a, that's a powerful story, isn't it? It really is. And it, it, would, it would seem that when, when Jacob was praying alone, that he had this special visitor come. And seeing his chance, he began wrestling with this being. Now, as an aside, there are many speculations as to who this man was that Jacob was wrestling with. Some say it was a theophany and was the pre-incarnate Yeshua himself, the Messiah. Is that possible? Actually, yes, it is very possible because in verse 28, it specifically says that Jacob wrestled with, in the Hebrew, Elohim. He wrestled with God. Uh, no, no question there. Uh, but it, it might also be seen as an angel who represented God. Some speculate that it was Michael, Michael, the archangel that he was wrestling with. But then in verse 30, it says that Jacob saw God face to face and he lived. So in any case, you can make your own judgment. I think that it leans that it was uh, probably Yeshua, but we don't know for sure. Regardless, here it was that they were wrestling Jacob in this divine presence. Some wonder about how Jacob overcame. It says he overcame. And when, when, how did he overcome since he was fighting God? Okay, but we see, see here a couple of things. First, Jacob could have only overcome the Lord with power from the Lord. <laughs> That's a really interesting dynamic, isn't it? So we know that Jacob was anointed by God to start with because there's no way that any human can overcome the Lord. So the Lord obviously anointed him knowing that he would be able to overcome, which is a really interesting and deep dynamic in and of itself. But he, clearly he was anointed. Uh, but we also know that Jacob knows that he in his own strength can't win because first the man he was wrestling with, of course, just touched Jacob's hip and it was wrenched. And so, man, what, what power this person had and, and could have just taken care of Jacob if he had really wanted to, but also because Jacob is asking for a blessing. See, that tells you something right there. It tells you that Jacob knew his place because the blessor right? It's superior to the blessee. <laughs> okay, if somebody blesses you, they're giving you something. The Lord is giving you something. He is in the superior place. Hosea chapter 12 verse 4 also tells us that Jacob wept and begged for favor. And so what is this, friends? This is a type of a prayer. <clears throat> Jacob was weeping, praying, asking God, please, Give me a blessing. I will not let you go until you give me a blessing. I want a blessing, O oh Lord. Wow. That is amazing tenacity right there. So Jacob persists. Jacob persists. Give me a blessing. I will not let you go until you give me a blessing. And sure enough, God blesses him. And really, if you look at it, he blesses him twice. Interestingly enough, first he changes his name from Jacob, which means supplanter, to Israel, which depending upon who you ask means either a prince that has power with God or God fights. 
Either way, that's a huge blessing. He got an upgrade on the, in the name department right there. It did, did Mr. Jacob to be called Israel. What a huge blessing. And then at the end of the story, after his name was already changed, and then they had a little more dialogue, then it says God blessed him. He blessed him again. It was a double blessing. How interesting that Jacob received that double blessing. I remember when I was in eighth grade. I was in eighth grade and I grew up in Metro Atlanta and I wanted to work for the Coca-Cola company. Uh, you know, being from Atlanta, you always know Coca-Cola, it's just so out there and so prominent. And so I wanted to work for the Coca-Cola company. In eighth grade, I made this decision. So I went to, to Georgia Tech and I told everybody, I'm going to work for Coca-Cola one day. And I went to Georgia Tech and, and I was working there and I worked hard at Tech and I made good grades and eventually I was, I was getting ready. I was a senior and I was getting ready to graduate and I was going to graduate with highest honors from Georgia Tech. It was a lot of work. I, I pulled so many all-nighters, I, I can't even tell you. It was actually good training to be a rabbi. It was stress management. But in any case, uh, and so then it was time and, and, and I remember my senior year at Georgia Tech. I would, I would walk out on the campus, and the campus is literally across the street from the world headquarters of the Coca-Cola company. When I say literally, I mean literally, there's one street, world headquarters of Coke is right there. And I remember as I was walking around campus, and I'd look at the Gigantor Coca-Cola building there, and I thought, well, obviously, I know I'm not going to start near the top. But, you know, you got to work your way up the corporate ladder, as they say, but I wonder what floor they're going to start me at. I don't know. Let's see what floor they start me at. So around the midway through your senior year, of course, that's when you put out the resumes. And so I started putting my, and I sent my resume to Coca-Cola, one Coca-Cola Plaza. I sent him my resume. And then I waited. This was, this was before the predominance of, of online uh, application uh, submissions. So I sent them my resume and, and then I waited. And, and about a week later, I got this letter and I'll, I'll never forget it. I got this letter. It was a beautiful letter. And what was so neat about it was addressed to me from the Coca-Cola company. And, and, and this letter, the return address was embossed with that cool Coca-Cola script. You know, the one you could run your fingers over and it just felt so neat. The Coca-Cola company. I thought, whoa, here it is. Here it is. And so I opened up the letter and inside the letter said, dear Mr. Solomon, thank you so much for your resume. What we're going to do is we're going to take a look at, at job openings and see which ones match to your resume. And if we find openings at work, we will let you know. We're going to check. And I thought, okay, great. They're going to check. They're going to check. And they're going to find. They're going to match me up. They're working. They're working. They already let me know they're, they're working on it. They already let me know they're going to match me up. And so I waited and I waited. And about two weeks passed and I didn't hear anything. And I thought, well, that's really weird. I, you know, well, maybe, maybe my resume just got put underneath something. And so I said, well, you know, I'll send him another resume. So I sent another resume into the Coca-Cola company and, uh, and, and another few days pass and I get this letter in the mail and it's this beautiful envelope. <laughs> you already know where I'm going. This beautiful embossed the Coca-Cola company. And I open up this letter and it says, Dear Mr. Solomon, thank you so much for your resume. We're going to see what job openings we have that match up to your resume and your skill set. Thank you so much. We'll call, we'll call you. 
Uh, and I realized, oh my gosh, it's a form letter. I just got a form letter back. There, there, nobody's even looking at my resume. Like, don't they know? Don't they understand? I graduate and gra- about to graduate Georgia Tech. This is a hard school. I'm doing highest honors for crying out loud. Please, aren't they looking at this stuff? What's going on? Don't they understand? I'm, I, I, which floor? Nothing. And so I said, okay, well, this is how it's going to be. Then let's do it. And so at that point, I went ahead and I started sending resumes. I started networking. I started trying to find out who works for the Coca-Cola company, who went to Georgia Tech, who, who, who's a cousin of somebody. I mean, who, who used to know somebody? You know, who drinks Coca-Cola? I don't know. I'll talk to anybody to get my resume in with somebody at Coca-Cola. There was even a lady at Bethel. Her name was Susan, who worked at the Coca-Cola company. Man, she helped me a lot and was trying to get my resume in and everything. Finally, at about the 30th, interview, uh, the 30th resume... And I'm not exaggerating, the 30th resume, somebody finally gave me an interview. And I'm like, oh, thank God. I mean, just just give me a chance to get in front of somebody. It was like 30 resumes and somebody finally gave me an interview. And I'll never forget this interview, man. You go into the Coca-Cola company, it's so prestigious. And and I nailed the interviews. I interviewed with a number of people and man, I was just on it. Man, I was on it. This was an entry-level position though. Even with my college degree, it was entry-level. So it was very low but man, I was just ne- talking to people. <laughs> yeah, well, oh, well, yeah, well, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I just felt like it was like, oh, yeah, man, I'm just, mm, yeah, this is good. You know the feeling sometimes. And then at the end of it, okay, they, they, they brought me back in and they said, okay, they said, well, Mr. Solomon, uh, you've really done well. Everybody loves you. And so we'd like to offer you the position contingent upon, there's one thing though that is required in the job description that you have to do. And that's uh, just because the job does a lot of data entry, you have to have at least, I think it was 60 words per minute on the computer keyboard. And I'm like, uh, um, oh, okay. Six, what? I've never, what? And they said, yeah, you just go into this little room right here, and there's a, there's a few paragraphs, like a half a page, and you just type it into the computer, and the computer will tell us, uh, you know, it will print, it will say how on the screen how fast it was. And you can take it as many times as you need to to get the 60 words per minute. You just keep, keep, keep taking it if you need to. If you, know, if you mess up, that's okay. Just keep taking it. You, you know, listen, you, we'll be here all day. So it's no big deal. You, you enjoy yourself. I'm like, oh, okay. But, but, but friends, I was a two-finger typer. I was a dun, dun, hunt and destroy. I mean, this is, uh, that's the way I typed while looking at the keyboard. Ding, 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 ding. And I didn't know how to. And so I, I went in that room and I start sweating because it's like, goodness, I don't know how to, I don't know how to type. And I start going, and actually initially it was, I'm trying to go as fast as I can. I'm making mistakes. I'm look, and I'm looking at the, the, the paper, my keyboard at the screen. I'm, I'm doing everything. And it came out like 29. And I'm like, 29? Oh my gosh. I mean, if it were like 48, that's one thing. But 29, 29 words per minute. I got to get to 60. I got the job, Chris. I just need 60 words per minute. It's a true story. It was like a 29. I'm like, oh my Lord. And, and at that point, I'm thinking everything I've gone through because it had been months. I'd been trying to just get, get an interview. Everything I'd gone through, and, and I, I'm going to get kanged by a keyboard test? Are you kidding me? I took calculus at Georgia Tech. I can do it, whatever it is. You have to, you have to, it's just check, got to check. We can't do anything. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord. 
And so ding, 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 ding. I'm trying to get as fast as I can with my little two fingers there. And, and then eventually I say, I, you know, it goes to 33. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to make it to 60 here. And so I'm like, okay, well, I know how you're supposed to type with all your hands on the keyboard and stuff. And, and so I'm like, okay, let's try to learn this thing. <laughs> so da, 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 and I'm using fingers I've never used before on the computer keyboard, you know, and I'm trying it first. It's really slow. And I'm there, and I, I try, and it's, at first it's slow, and it builds, it builds, you know, 35, then 40, and eventually I get to 45. And I'm, going, and I'm looking at that paper, and I'm typing, and eventually I'm like, I, I can't do this fast enough. I, I, so I just memorized everything that was on the paper, so I no longer have to look at the paper. So I just memorized the whole paper, and, and I just, that way I could focus just on the keyboard. I didn't even look at the screen, because I've never done this before. And, I, and then eventually, and I, it was a number of hours. I don't know how long it was. I remember I took off my jacket. I was in the suit. I took off my jacket. Sweat was pouring on me. I'm not even exaggerating. Sweat was pouring everywhere. And, and I was like, on that keyboard. I mean, I was going so fast. And it said 61. I'm like, yes! And I let out a scream, and I thought, oh, man, I hope they don't fire me the first day because I'm screaming in the building. And I walked out there, and they said, oh, and they kind of forgotten I was in the room, to be honest with you. And, and, and I showed them the 61. They said, oh, great, you're hired. That's how I got the job at the Coca-Cola company. It's a true story. It's a true, it's a true story. Absolutely amazing. Sometimes you just have to persevere. Sometimes you just have to persevere. See, Jacob got his blessing, my friends, because he did not give up. He did not give up. He kept persevering. I will not let go unless you bless me. See, that's tenacious. Persevering even when times are hard, even when there are obstacles. Hello, are you with me here? Jacob would not have received the extra blessing had he not persevered. I would have not gotten the job at the Coca-Cola company had I not pushed through multiple times. In this day and time, we are here in America. We need to persevere. You need to persevere, my brother or sister. Push through to make it. This is what we have to do in this time that we're in. And regarding that we're, what we're going through right now with the virus and the fallout, we have to examine what the scriptures teach us so that we can thrive and live in abundance, right? Remember, like we talked about last Shabbat. Well, how does this work? Let's go to Romans, please. Chapter 5, Romans chapter 5. Verse 3, starting in verse 3, says this. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. So this suffering that we are all going through, beloved, should, if we have it in the right perspective, produce perseverance. That's what it should produce. So how long will this virus go on? You know, some people are anticipating the second wave to come in. Here's the point. I hope there's not a second wave. But if there is a second wave, we need to persevere in our lives. We need to persevere. When we suffer, that's when our perseverance is tested. It's only when things are challenging that we learn how to persevere and that we grow in our walk in that way. 
because it produces character, which produces hope. As the word of God says, Rabbi Shul Paul the Shaliach knew the order. Because if we're handling things right, suffering should be met with perseverance, which leads to that character growth and development. And that higher character leads in hope. Guess what? Hope helps you get through the suffering. That's right. Hope helps you get through the suffering. Do you see how that works? If you persevere, it builds your character. As your character is built, you'll have more hope. As you have more hope, you will persevere. This is the beautiful virtuous cycle that the scriptures illustrate for us. Hebrews chapter 10, if you're following along, you have to keep in mind that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not an oncoming train. <laughs> there is a light at the end of the tunnel with this COVID-19 virus. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32 says, Remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. Ooh, mm. that felt good. And that's powerful. So we need to persevere, my friends, because a reward is coming. Do you see what the word of God says? You'll be richly rewarded if you persevere. A reward is coming. It is likely that if you persevere through the coronavirus, at some point, it will relent. At some point, it will relent. It will relent from your finances, from your relationships, from your health. Will it be one month or will it be two years? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I know, I hope it's short, but however long that is, we need to persevere. We have to persevere, beloved. Keep on keeping on, as Rabbi used to say, because at the end of the day, even we remember what Rabbi Shaul teaches us, that even if we die, we will receive a reward that far outweighs our current struggle. This is how it works. I know. I know that you're tired of all this. I'm tired of it too. Everybody's tired of the, of the whole virus thing going along. But don't let the adversary wear away at you chisel by chisel. You know, like, a, like, like a, a, an artist will chisel a sculpture and it's just little bitty pieces he chips away and eventually he reforms what the stone looks like. Don't let the adversary do that to you so that he chisels away a little more and a little more of you. Just a little piece and you're, and you're a bit snippy, you're angry and you're not happy and you're, uh, the, the way you treat somebody and how you respond or don't respond and, and you stop the texting Shabbat Shalom, what's the point? You, you don't call people who need help. No, 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 the attitude, you become frustrated, disillusioned, tired. Don't let the adversary do this where you, where you stop reading your Bible, all this other stuff. 
the rabbi here teaches us that the promise comes to those who persevere. You've got to persevere. If you want the promise, if you want the promise, you've got to persevere. You've got to persevere. James chapter 1 says this, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and lacking nothing. This is what perseverance does, Mishpacha. This is what perseverance does. So to persevere is to mature. It's easy for us to fade when we're not coming every week to Shabbat. Hello. It's easy for us to fade when we're not coming every week to Shabbat. We start not watching the services online every week. Why? Because we're out of the habit of it. We don't pray as regularly. Don't give our tithes to the Lord because the offering bag doesn't pass right in front of us, right? We don't read his word. We don't reach out to others. Don't do all of this. Persevere. Persevere to the end. To mature in your walk and to receive what God has for you if you do so. If you do so. If you do so, there's a reward and there is a maturing. The word of God tells us it is maturing to persevere. As we prepare, I want to share with you a story that Yeshua told that really drives this home in a powerful way in Luke chapter 18. The story about this woman who could have so easily given up, so easily given up. Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 1, listen to this story and let it speak to you and let it bless you, let it minister to you, let it help you in whatever situation that you're in right now. This is from the Lord to you. Then Yeshua told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps coming and keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith? On the earth. Listen to me. If you're out there and you're so lonely, don't give up. If you've been fighting medical issues, don't give up. If you've lost relationships, Don't give up. If you're out of work, don't give up. If you're struggling financially, don't give up. If you've been sharing the good news of Yeshua with somebody, don't give up. If you've been battling an addiction in your life, don't give up. If you've been struggling with your self-image, don't give up. Don't give up. Are you getting the message? Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. That's the message. 
If I had stopped at 29 resumes, I wouldn't have gotten the job at the Coca-Cola company. If I had walked out after not being close to 60 words per minute, I would have not gotten the job. Have faith. Let's mature in this season. Let's develop our character together and let's have hope. But these things come when we do one thing. And the title of my message is Persevere. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethhalel.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L dot O-R-G. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Light, light, light.